Hey folks, guess what time it is? It's time for another Just Another Fanboy Classic episode. This particular entry is episode number eight, which was originally published on Wednesday, October the 18th, 2006. And I'll tell you what, how about we just listen to it already? You're listening to Just Another Fanboy, the podcast with the dry and flaky skin. Just Another Fanboy is a Lynx Broadcasting production. Just like a comic book! 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 Welcome to episode number eight of Just Another Fanboy. This episode was recorded on October 18th, 2006, and could use a little something cold to drink. Hello, I'm your host, Stephen My Brain Hurts Orr, and we got it all this week. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn a little something about yourself. It's a fun-loving romp in the garden of your mind that also manages to pound upon your eardrums like a legion of high school marching band bass drummers. Anyway, as always, we have your comic news and picks at the movies with Gary Indiana, this week on Heroes and The View from Norman, Oklahoma. But first, listeners' emails. <laughs> And our first email this week comes from, oh, uh, hmm, I guess we didn't get any emails this week. Um, ha ha, you suck. Ain't nobody listening to you no more. Oh, come on. That's not true. Just because no one's emailed since the last episode doesn't mean we don't have any listeners. No, but you still suck. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Can I get on with the show now? Yeah, well, I guess. Does it matter? I mean, ain't nobody listening. <laughs> Do I need to crack you on the head again? Beating on an old man, huh? You're a real tough guy, ain't you? Besides, you ain't gonna do squat to me, son, so take it down a notch. Oh, no? Can't you remember episode five where I kicked your ass and Gary's ass both at the same time? Okay, first of all, that was scripted for comedic effect. And secondly, it wasn't funny. I'm leaving now. I gotta go get a new cat toy for Fluffy Girl. So I'll see you at the end of the show, you pansy. (laughs) Anyway... And now for news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. This week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort is brought to you by Rossman's Toe Floss. Howdy, this is Gary Indiana. You may know me from At The Movies with Gary Indiana. Played each week here on the Just Another Fanboy podcast. Let me tell you, there's nothing I enjoy more after a hard day out on the job than to kick back in my recliner pull off my socks, and pick the lint out from betwixt my toes. The only problem is, is that after, when I want to chew on my fingernails, I have to get up and wash my hands because they taste like toe sweat. And that ain't good. But thanks to Rossman's Toe Floss, I can clean betwixt my toes without touching them at all with my fingers. Which means I ain't got to get up and interrupt my sitting and relaxing to wash my hands before chewing on my fingernails. So try Rossman's Toe Floss, the hygienic way to clean betwixt your toes. Rossman's Toe Floss, because toe sweat tasting fingers just isn't cool. Justice League of America number 1, the debut issue of the new series written by Brad Meltzer and illustrated by Ed Benes and Sandra Hope, has sold out at DC Comics. Now DC sends this hit issue back to press for a second printing. Scheduled to arrive in stores on October 25th, the cover of the Justice League of America number one second printing will feature Benna's artwork 
From the Justice League of America number one A and B variant editions as a single piece of art. The Boston Comic Book and Toy Spectacular returns to the Radisson Hotel on Sunday, November 5th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. This will be Primate Promotions' 100th show, and in honor of that milestone, they are pulling out all the stops to make this one for the ages. Brought in a legendary creator to serve as the special guest of honor for this show, a move sure to please New England's dedicated comic book fans. Michael Golden, artist of Micronauts, Doctor Strange, The Nom, Rom, She-Hulk, The Avengers, Wolverine, G.I. Joe, Howard the Duck, Batman, and more, is making his first Boston-area appearance since his return to the comic show circuit earlier this year. One of the most influential artists of his generation, Golden has also become known for his writing abilities, most notably on the Spartan X series from Image Comics. Other special guests scheduled for this show include writer Chuck Satterley and artist Norman Lee. Don't miss New England's premiere show for collectors of comic books from the golden age to today, plus original artwork, toys, games, anime, videos, and other pop culture. The Boston Comic Book Show, since 1975. The convention features over one million comic books from 1938 to 2006. The Boston Comic Book and Toy Spectacular will be held on Sunday, November 5th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Boston Radisson Hotel, 200 Stewart Street, 6th floor, in the heart of Boston's Entertainment District. Admission is just $5 with the coupon from PrimatePromotions.com. Ape Entertainment is pleased to announce the addition of hit horror series Nightmare World to its list of 2007 titles. With almost four years of weekly updates and a catalog of over 350 pages of creepy content in tow, Dirk Manning and his gruesome gang of eerie artists are bringing the award-winning horror series Nightmare World to Ape Entertainment. Paying homage to spine-tingling terror and spooky speculative fiction in the vein of EC Comics and the Twilight Zone, Nightmare World has gained a steady cult-like following over the years, grabbing readers by the throat with short stories known for their terrifying intensity, macabre humor, and tear-inducing tragedies. This Halloween, Tomorrow's Publishing is treating the first 500 people who visit their web store to a free copy of back issue number 18. Tomorrow's, publisher of the comic industry's top historical and how-to magazines, is offering this opportunity to try their acclaimed magazine, spotlighting the best comics and creators of the 1970s, 80s, and today, in an effort to expose more readers to their top-selling publication. Back issue number 18 is a 100-page Big Green issue, featuring a new interview with and cover by artist Neil Adams, an Adams Green Lantern Green Arrow gallery with never-before-published art, and a photo tour of Neil's Continuity Studios. There's also a pencil art gallery by Dave Gibbons, and new interviews with Mike Grell on his Green Arrow work, and Peter David on The Incredible Hulk, as well as a pro-to-pro chat between Jerry Conaway and John Romita Sr. on The Green Goblin and The Death of Gwen Stacy. The magazine is edited by former DC Comics editor Michael Erie. Starting at 10 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, October 31st, the first 500 customers who visit the Tomorrow's website can click on the link for back issue number 18, place it in their shopping cart, and it will be mailed to them at no cost the following week. A special featured products banner atop the homepage will also have a link for ordering the, com- the complimentary issue. Because of postage costs for overseas shipments, orders sent outside the U.S. will require a charge of $3, which can be paid by Visa, MasterCard, or PayPal. The offer is limited to one copy per customer and or address. In 2007, DC will launch five Year One miniseries, each one designed to streamline, clarify, or emphasize the start of characters who will be playing major roles in the months to come. 
The five series are Green Arrow Year One by Andy Diggle and Jock, Metamorpho Year One by Dan Jurgens, Teen Titans Year One by Amy Wolfram and Carl Kershaw, Black Lightning Year One by Jen Van Meter and Cully Hammer, and Huntress Year One by Ivory Madison with an artist to be announced. In movie news, Warner Brothers Pictures has announced that the Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix theatrical teaser trailer will debut in theaters on November 17th. The trailer can only be seen in front of the studio's comedy adventure film, Happy Feet. The trailer should be online sometime the week after. The highly anticipated fifth Harry Potter installment hits theaters and IMAX on July 13th, 2007. And hitting shelves this week on DVD is Over the Hedge and That 70s Show Season 5. See the boards for the full list. And that was your news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. Hey, I guess that means it's time for my comic book, Picks of the Week. This week from D.C., we have 52, number 24, written by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. Breakdowns by Keith Giffen. Backup features by Wade and Dan Jurgens. Covers by J.G. Jones. This story of the year continues in four more chapters of America's only weekly superhero adventure. In this issue, you don't really know me, but I'm a big fan, and, well, I wanted to invite you to... to... To join the new Justice League. Plus the origin of Booster Gold by Wade and Dan Jurgens. 52. A year without Superman. A year without Batman. A year without Wonder Woman. But not a year without heroes. Checkmate number 7, written by Greg Rucka, Nunzio de Filippis, and Christina Weir. Art by Cliff Richards and Dan Green. An original member of Suicide Squad returns, but there's more to it than meets the eye as this founding father's outnumbered by his own prey. Wildcats Wildstorm, number one, written by Grant Morrison, art and cover by Jim Lee and Scott Williams. Jim Lee makes his triumphant return to Wildcats, and he's bringing along an impressive new collaborator, superstar writer Grant Morrison the man who redefined the JLA and Superman and created groundbreaking works The Invisibles and We Three now brings his considerable talents to Wildcats. In the aftermath of the events of Captain Adam Armageddon, the Wildstorm universe has undergone a shift that will affect characters big and small. This first issue will reintroduce the Wildcats you know and love, but how will they differ? Be here in September to see the star-studded premiere of the all-new bi-monthly Wildcats. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny, see, because it says September, because it was supposed to come out in September, but didn't come out until October because Jim Lee was late. Oh, my God. Anyway, and this week from Marvel, we have Wolverine number 47, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Humberto Ramos. This is it. The senses-shattering conclusion to the Civil War tie-in vendetta. It had to come down to this. At 30,000 feet, 
Aboard the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier, it's Logan vs. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s elite superhuman restraint unit, and one of the Marvel Universe's most powerful superheroes, the Sentry! Logan started this story as the hunter, but he's finishing it as the prey. And that was my comic book picks of the week. Remember, you still have the opportunity to... Change, change Stephen's Steven mind. Do you know of an indie book out there that's a must-read? Email me and try to sell me on the book. If you're successful, I'll drop a title I'm currently getting and pick up your recommendation. Then I'll speak my thoughts on the book in an upcoming episode. To date, I've received exactly seven... Well, actually three. Okay, more like one. Okay, zero emails trying to... Change Stephen's mind. Okay, moving right along, it's At The Movies with Gary Indiana. Howdy folks, Gary Indiana here with another interpretation of one of my favorite movies. Before I get into this week's game, last week's game was a, a conversation between Carrie Elways and Robin Wright Penn and the Princess Bride. Congratulations to Justin Cargath from Savannah, Missouri, who guessed correctly. Justin, your prize is on its way. And now, this week's movie quote. Walter, you can't do that. These guys are like me. They're pacifists. Smokey was a conscientious objector. Do you think you know the movie? Write us here at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com and the winner will be announced during next week's episode. And now my top three comics of September 2006. Oh, and beware, there may be spoilers. Number three, Blue Beetle, number seven by John Rogers and Cully Hammer. How I Survive My Infinite Crisis. Jamie Blue Beetle Reyes relates to his family and friends what exactly happened to him during his missing year after he left Earth with Booster Gold and company to help battle his brother, the Brother Eye satellite in Infinite Crisis. This is a book that I was seriously considering dropping. The writing has been consistent, but it seems as if a different artist has handled each issue, and I just don't swing that way. Issue 7, however, has me back in the Blue Beetle corner with the return of who is supposed to be the regular artist, Cully Hammer. There's a lot of great things happening in this issue. Uh, there's a few really funny moments, like the one between Beetle and Batman in the Batcave after Beetle vomits all over the place. But what really did it for me was Jamie's little sister, who starts the issue still scared of her big brother, who turns into a scary blue robot-looking thing. And the issue ends with her running to Jamie and hugging him after he opens up about being lost in space, alone and scared. This is a good book. Like I said, the writing is consistent. Now, if they can just get some consistent art, this book may make it to number one some month. Number two is Captain America number 21 by Ed Brubaker and Steve Epting. Cap and Bucky team up to take out one of the Red Skull's sleeper robots as Union Jack and Spitfire take out Master Man in the conclusion to the 21st Century Blitz. I haven't enjoyed Captain America this much since Mark Grunewald's run back in the 80s. Uh, Brubaker and Epting, and sometimes Mike Perkins, who who happens to fit in perfectly, by the way, um, 
Where, where was I? Oh yeah. Anyway, uh, the boys have really crafted a great book here. In this particular issue, we have Cap and Bucky fighting together just like in olden times, and it so works. The art is beautiful, and the big brew never disappoints on the writing tip. Writing tip. Anyway, number one is Civil War number four by Mark Miller and Steve McNiven. The heroes throw down, and someone looking a lot like Thor shows up and starts kicking the Annie Regs' collective asses. The Thor turns out to be a clone, and Sue leaves Reed to join the anti-registration side. This book is beautifully drawn, and Mark Miller just plain kicks ass. There's really nothing more I can say about this book. It seems to get a lot of flack online for characters being written wrong or so-called huge plot holes. But speaking as someone who's read Marvel Comics since the early 80s, I'm loving it. It's big, it's sweeping, it's fun. What more could you want? Anyway, that's my top three books of September 2006. This week on Heroes, a spoilerific look at the most recent episode of Heroes on NBC, as well as what's coming up. The heroes are starting to come together. Okay, so the episode starts with Mohinder confronting, confronting Nathan, trying to warn him that he may be next on Siler's hit list. Nathan thinks that Peter put Mohinder up to this in a way to maybe make Nathan come clean about his abilities. See, Nathan recognizes Mohinder's last name, Suresh, as the guy that wrote the book that Peter has been reading. In reality, it was Mohinder's father who wrote the book, and when Nathan then confronts Peter, Peter sets out to try to find Mohinder's pop. Mohinder's pop, of course, is dead, so when Peter comes looking for him, he meets Mohinder instead. Peter tries to convince Mohinder that he, Peter, has abilities. Peter seems to be able to do what other folks with abilities can do, but only when he's near them. Mohinder remains unconvinced as he's decided to just give the whole thing a miss and return to India. So Peter convinces Mohinder to let Peter take him to s someone with abilities so Peter can show Mohinder what he can do. And as Nathan is left for Vegas, Peter takes Mohinder to visit Isaac. Isaac, in the meantime, is getting stoned and painting the future. Hiro Nakamura and friend have made it to Las Vegas and are taking advantage of Hiro's powers to win at cards until the hotel throws him out. Nikki, who we last saw being pulled over by a cop working for the mob, is taken back to Vegas by said cop and escorted to a casino where the mob boss's assistant tells Nikki that her debt will be wiped clean if she seduces Nathan Petrelli. Nikki gives it a go, but backs out at the last second, only to be confronted by a tough guy in the elevator. Nikki shifts to her other self when the dude threatens her son and proceeds to beat the tough guy down, standing over him with her stiletto heel poised above his temple, where she says something to the effect of, leave our son alone. Then her other self joins Nathan back in his room, where she sleeps with him while those wacky mob peoples videotape the whole thing. After the two fall asleep in coital bliss, poist? Poist? Post-coital bliss. 
Claire's father, the man in glasses, who according to the NBC website is known as HRG, sneaks into the room with the mysterious man who also kidnapped Matt the cop, who, by the way, is currently being held hostage by HRG. HRG tells the man to just take one of them, either Nikki or Nathan. I think they took Nathan. Claire wakes up to find herself in mid-autopsy after being killed, stripped, and dumped into a river by the quarterback. She escapes unnoticed, goes back to her life. And oh yeah, she kills the quarterback by driving a speeding car with him in the passenger seat into a nice, big, and very solid wall. As Peter and Mohinder are on a subway car on their way back from unsuccessfully meeting Isaac, time stops for everyone but Peter. While time stops, Hiro Nakamura, that is Hiro Nakamura from the future, a hero who speaks English, no longer wears glasses, has a sword strapped to his back, and is sporting a soul patch, comes onto the train to talk Peter as the episode ends, taking the show to new levels of kick-asseriness. Next week on Heroes, according to NBC, Hero and his buddy embark on their heroic journey to New York, where they are stopped by a Vegas high roller who offers them a deal they can't refuse. As HRG sets up a meeting for his daughter Claire with her biological parents, she hopes that questions about her newfound indestructibility can be answered. Meanwhile, Isaac receives another confusing call from Hero, but Peter is there this time to pick up the phone and relay a life-saving message. Suresh bids farewell to Eden as he heads back to India to bury his father, and an, unex and an unexpected visitor shows up at Nikki's home. Remember to check out the weekly online comic at NBC.com slash heroes slash novels. This week's installment is written by Joe Pekaski and drawn by Micah Gunnell and shows what happens to Claire following her seemingly homicidal car crash. And that was this week on Heroes. Which, of course, brings us to The View from Norman, Oklahoma. The View from Norman, Oklahoma, a weekly segment in which our resident, bitter old fanboy pisses and moans about the comic book industry, or just anything that generally pisses him off. And so, ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you, Norman, Oklahoma. Thank you, kindly good people. This week, I'd like to cast our eyes back just a few weeks ago when editor Steve Wacker left DC for Marvel, and the storm that seemed to follow on the internet regarding this move. Fanboys from all corners of the web gathered round their computers to voice their opinions and act as if they had every right to pry into Mr. Wacker's personal life to discover why he was leaving DC for Marvel. It got caught out of hand as folks posted their theories deduced from various statements Mr. Wacker had made. You know what? Who cares, right? Who really gives a fig what this man wants to do with his life? But DC fans went a little crazy. People are up all hours of the night combing through several message board posts, trying as they might to glean just some small reason why the man would give up on DC and the many titles he edited, such as 52. Some of these sick little netheads even went through Mr. Wacker's trash and took pictures of the poor man bathing in jello, with wicker mannequins dressed like flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz. As a matter of fact, I heard one tale of a reader who went by Steve Wacker's house to sell Girl Scout cookies, only to be greeted at the door by a very hairy man in lederhosen. Whoa, whoa, and whoa, 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 whoa. What is your problem? What? With the exception of Steve Wacker leaving DC for Marvel, nothing else you've said has any basis in fact whatsoever. Well, I, I just... You I know. think you need to apologize to the listeners, and especially Steve Wacker, for what you said. What? Look, I'm Norman Oklahoma. I don't apologize to anybody. As a matter of fact... You know, uh, I could just fire you. Oh, uh, hello. This is Norman, Oklahoma. 
I'd like to apologize most sincerely to all the listeners of Just Another Fanboy, and most especially to Mr. Steve Wacker himself for all the lies I've just stated in this program. Steve Wacker has not, to the best of my knowledge, ever taken a bath in jello with wicker mannequins dressed like the flying monkeys from The Wizard of Oz. And the story of a hairy man in lederhosen answering Mr. Wacker's front door was completely made up and was in no way meant to be mistaken for reality. I apologize, and I promise that this will not happen again. Thank you, Norman, for your honesty. Whatever. This ain't done between the two of us, Sonny Boy. Mark my words, this ain't done. <laughs> and so we close... This ain't done! <laughs> yes, cryptic words indeed. And so we close this week's show with a new segment I like to call Stephen's Song of the Week. While I was cruising the Pod Show Podsafe Music Network looking for songs for the show, I ran into this song that I dug like a panic room built to survive the next world war. And I've been looking for an excuse to play the thing on the show. Then I thought, you know what? This is my show. I can create a brand new segment, call it Stephen's Song of the Week, and just play it. Why not? So here we go. It's a song by the Clintons a Bozeman, Montana-based touring band known for their higher-energy shows and quirky sense of humor. Check them out at clintonsband.com. Anyway, here's Fan of the Bean. I'm addicted to caffeine, and today I'm not a fan of the beat. 
caffeine I'm addicted to caffeine And today I'm not a fan of the bean And this brings another foil-chewing episode to a close. Please take a moment to show me how much you love and care for this show. You can do that in four ways. You can send me an email at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. You could sign up and post at the message board at pythonland.com slash fanboy. You can go to Podcast Alley at podcastalley.com, search for Just Another Fanboy and vote for the show. Or you could find the show on iTunes and write a review. Or you could just be the ultimate fanboy and do all four. The theme song for the show is Comic Book by the Super Spies. Find it and information about the band at garageband.com. The rest of the music from this week's episode comes from the Pod Show Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. So until next week, I'm Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.